Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching from Israel with Dr. Jeffrey Seif. This week, how to conquer your fears and move forward in faith on Joshua, More Than a Conqueror. Welcome to Our Jewish Roots. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. And I am Jeffrey Seif. Guess where we're going today. We have a story to tell that talks about grapes and fruits and God's bounty. What's it all about? We're going somewhere where the Israelites could have gone, but 10 were afraid to go to. Oh, no. You mean the goodies are out there, but some are afraid to go get them. Ooh, that's good. That's very pertinent to right now. Is that now a problem for Jews back then or is it a problem for you? David, what do you think? <laughs> uh, good. I want to partake in that. <laughs> I know <Okay>. that. <laughs> Dr. Seif's going to teach on location, but right now let's go to Joshua and hear about his report from the other spies. Despite the reports of naysayers, Caleb and I had seen with our own eyes the rich, bountiful land of Canaan. The Lord's anger kindles against those who've questioned, those who murmur of, of giants and walled cities in our promised land. My efforts to convince them remain a daunting task, even within the confines of my own tent. Thank you for your help. Caleb will oversee the remainder. There's a murmur in the camp. Again, they would like to stone me. I think that's a bit extreme. Is it not enough that he delivered us from the hands of the Pharaoh? That he parted the Red Sea? That we prevailed against the Amalekites? Enormous vines, wheat, barley, fig trees, pomegranates, it's all there just waiting for us. And as the Lord told Moses, while we were still in Egypt, the land flows with milk and honey. I can understand their concern. <sighs> no, no. The reports are misleading. For 40 days, Caleb and I witnessed the very same things that they did. Yes, we saw the walled cities. And yes, we saw the strength of the Anakim and the Canaanites and all of the rest. But the arm of the Lord is so much stronger. We will devour them like bread and possess the land. But what about the giants? Listen to me. I pray you do not die here in the desert as all the others who have questioned the Lord. Do not long for the land of the past as others do. Egypt is behind us. The promise is before us. Long for the land of your children. The land of milk and honey was ever so close for the children of Israel. 
But despite the favorable reports of Joshua and Caleb, there were those who questioned the decision to possess the land. We came here to the valley of Eshkol, or Mamre, just south of Jerusalem, to walk upon one of the very sites that Joshua and Caleb first beheld in their mission as spies in the land of Canaan. It's known as the land of Chalav Fidvash, in Hebrew, the land of milk and honey. Of course, there's more than just milk and honey, all kinds of fruits. I think that uh, the milk and honey language was popularized because if there's milk, there's animals that are producing it. And if animals are producing it, the land is verdant, it's green. And if there's honey, it means there's bees, there's pollination, there's flowers. It speaks of a land that's alive with milk, with honey, with grape, pomegranate, fig, and other fruits of the earth as well. I look at these fruits of the earth as soda machines. You know, it's a hot day and uh, you just grab some of this and you drink and it is so very delightful. If you can just think of a primitive person, we're told Adam and Cheva were in a garden and the fruit was there for the picking. Sin made its entrance on the stage of the drama. They were kicked out and told they were gonna eat out a living. They were gonna eke it out with a sweat of their brow. Here you're walking down the street and you're picking the fruits and you're getting the delights. It's no wonder that people would compete for this part of the world and Eretz Kina'an here at the southwestern part of the Fertile Crescent. You might recall as B'nai Israel made their way out of Egypt and finally to a place, Kadesh Barnea, that Joshua, uh, uh, well, Moses actually dispatched spies. Joshua was one and they came to the land and they came here, Mamre. Actually, they explored the width, the height, and they came back with the fruits of the land. And of course, the fruits were exotic to people that were slave stock that didn't know these kind of luxuries. And they're told that these big fruits are here. They're also told something else, and that is there's trouble in River City. Not only were the fruits big, but so were the people that consumed them. I want to get to the report, and I'll get to that in a minute, and it's important, by the way, because the people turned back. And the fact that they turned back from the challenge, that negated their being able to get the benefits of the real estate. And I wonder if you'll just permit an application. Could it be that God has all kinds of fruits and blessings for you, not just for you, but in you, to be produced out of you? I mention that because in the New Testament context, we're told to bear fruit. We're construed as, in effect, the earth. And God pours his Ruach HaKodesh into our earth. And there's an outgrowth as a result of that. We water the seed of faith that's planted, and then it grows into something and bears fruit. Well, if you go into the Older Testament, there's the land. There's different words for land. There's Eretz, which is land. There's Afar, which is dust. There's Adamah. Speaking of the soil, in fact, Adam, man, Adam, came from Adama, from the soil. But other things come from the soil as well, other forms of life. There's the land of promise, the promised land, and it bore special fruits. Are there people that bear fruit? I mean, there's a fruitful existence if we have God in our life. And the question is, are you bearing and cultivating fruit? It's a reasonable question. 
we're going to look how we can be more than a conqueror and learn to bear fruit and more. But before we get to that, we have to go through the valley of despair and commenting on those that got close. They got to it, but they never got into it. People say, how long did it take the children of Israel to get to Canaan? Uh, people say 40 years. No, it took them 40 years to get into it. Actually, they were there at the second year. They left Mitzrayim, Egypt. They went to Sinai. They grouped there, built the Mishkan, the work, portable worship facility. And then they went up north to the southern border. They sent dispatches in to do what was supposed to be a reconnaissance mission. They went in there for reconnaissance to gather information. But what was supposed to be a reconnaissance mission turned into a feasibility study. It wasn't supposed to be that. But subsequent to that, the whole thing spiraled out of control. And so all there was in front of them was a promise of a better existence, but it's a life they never, ever entered. They just died en route. We'll consider the genesis of the problem in the heart of man. God wants us to be more than a conqueror. He wants us to be a conqueror, not the conquered. He wants us, us, he wants us to be a victor, not a victim. He wants us to be the head and not the tail. It doesn't always work out that way. It's been said that a wise person learns from their mistakes. Well, in this case, let's learn from somebody else's as we look more deeply into the story of Joshua and the spies and learn about being more than a conqueror. Our resource this week, the Grafted End Necklace. Wearing this lovely sterling silver rendition of a classic messianic symbol shows you recognize the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and stirs curiosities and witness opportunities with this tribute to light, the Lord, and abundant love. For this resource and more, call 1-800-WONDERS or visit us at levitt.com. If you only watch us on television, you're missing additional content available only on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can always visit our website, which is home base for all of our ministry activities and information. There you can sign up for our free monthly newsletter, watch the TV program, or visit the online store. You can sign up for a tour of Israel and Petra, or a cruise to Greece and Ephesus. Please contact us for more information. If you're only a little bit social media savvy, you can get so much extra information than what we actually even have here on the program. We are on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We have our own channel on YouTube. Look us up and uh, all kinds of extra great information and extra stories for you. That's right. Also, there's no way that we could be at this desk every week without your support. So once again, we just want to say thank you to Rabah. Right now, let's go back to Dr. Seif's teaching in Israel. Coming to you from the Valley of Mamre, thank you for bringing me here to the land of Israel, walking in the footsteps of the fathers that went before us, particularly at this juncture, spies who traverse this valley and others. 
the leaders in the camp at Kadesh Barnea came back and brought back a report and brought back fruits like the fig right here. Earlier, we saw pomegranate and grape, uh, uh, but there's all kinds of fruits here in the Holy Land. Figs, by the way, as in these, are noteworthy. They're referred to in the Bible in the Older Testament. Security is everyone dwelling under his fig tree, interestingly. And similarly, in the Newer Testament, in the Johannine Gospel, chapter 2, Jesus speaks of a man and says, I saw you under the fig tree. Again, the land is so much associated with fruits. But the story here with these fruits is associated with a bad news story. And I don't like to tell it, but it's in the book. And there's a window here into pathology, into being toxic, learning how things can go horribly wrong in life. I want to pick up in the book Bamidbar in the wilderness. We know it as Numbers. In the 13th chapter, we're told that uh, the spies who had come into this area uh, in Eretz Kena'an to do a reconnaissance mission. That is to say, they're supposed to gather information. If an army is coming this way, they need to know where there's orchards, water supply, major cities, populations, etc. They need a general idea of where they're going. They came here to do reconnaissance, but they did more than that. They came here on a reconnaissance missions. They returned with a feasibility study. They told Moshe Rabbeinu, Mother, Moses and others, listen, yeah, the land is this and that, but we can't do it. Those people are just way too big. It's a bad story. In chapter 13, verse 31, we're told, Vehanashim asher alu imo omru. The men that went up, that is the spies, uh, came up and said, and I quote, Lo nukalalot el ha'am. We are not able to go up against this people. We can't do it. They go on to say, Ki chazaku mimenu, because they are stronger than we. They feared. These were people who not long before were slave stock in the land of Egypt. And uh, they left Egypt uh, God was their soldier. The waters parted, they walked through. It wasn't as a result of their agency. They were just swept up into circumstances beyond their control. But now they're facing a situation where they have to bear arms for a specific purpose, but they just uh, wince away from doing so. They are fearful. They lack confidence, confides, with faith. They go on to report the people are just so big. And if that's not bad enough, they're skilled in war and we're novices. And if that's not bad enough, they have military advantage behind ramparts, behind walls and walled cities. It didn't look good. And when they put it all together, they said, it can't be done. We're told, by the way, in 32, they go on to say, etc. He goes on to say, they spread an evil report. An evil report. The rabbis, I should say, in looking at that, uh, they go beyond an evil report and say that they invented a lie. They invented a lie. 
And when you live with that lie, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. They go on to exaggerate and say, listen, they're so big and we're like grasshoppers. They just, they spiral out of control. We can't do it. Well, the last I checked, they couldn't get out of Egypt either. But guess what? There was heaven's help for life's vexing problems. Because God who calls you can lead you successfully into the future. And he did just that then. But oh my, did they forget. Now, I don't want to talk about them. I want to talk about you, and I want to talk about me. That is to say, because these aren't the only ones that turn away from challenges. And when you turn away from it, by the way, you can get so close to the promised land, but never get into it. And I wonder how many people are watching this and hearing me that keep going around the same old mountain. That is to say, you kind of believe in God, you have religious conviction, but it seems that success in life is 13 inches away and you only have a 12 inch reach. For some reason, you just can't quite get to it. Fear prompts people to turn back. I know that, I lived that. It's one of the reasons why it took me to the 30 to get married because uh, I was afraid to ask. I was afraid I'd get rejected. I was afraid that they would say no, so I lived alone. In other words, fear became a prison. It was the same thing with school. You know, I wound up becoming a college professor, but interestingly, it took me till 26 or so to get into college. Why is that? Because I did so poorly in high school. Why is that? Because of fear. I had to learn to say no to fear and yes to a good God and a good future. And I know from firsthand experience that if you hold tight to fear, it ruins your life. We could be so much further along in life. I have 30 years under my belt as a college professor, among other things, worked with a lot of young people. And I would tell them all, shoot for the moon, lift up your eyes, dream big, shoot for the moon. And even if you miss the mark, you'll land somewhere among the stars and be so much better off in life than had you dared not to dream in the first place. I believe in dream stuff, especially if I believe that we're a redeemed people. That if, if Jesus lives in us and the Holy Spirit guides us, then we are people with a future. Would that we dared to dream. Would that we didn't turn back, but that we move forward. And the process of so doing, we learned what it is to be more than a conqueror. For the Israeli Defense Forces, the saying more than conquerors is more than a slogan. My good friend, Chaim Mailspin, who serves with the Israeli Defense Forces, is going to give us a window into how the Israeli army is taught to go forth and slay the giants. Sarge, uh, when I look in the Bible, these spies are dispatched to go into the land, and those people are so big, the fortifications are so high, they're afraid. There's some that have confidence. What do they teach you in the Israeli Defense Forces about looking beyond the current malaise and believing for a successful outcome? Well, I'll, I'll give you a story my commander gave me. Commanding officer, he calls everyone in one day and he says, hey, uh, you guys, do you have any complaints? One of, the sol one of the soldiers came and he said, our thermal vision, we have this little refrigerator that, cool, you know, thermal vision so you can see a heat imprint. And he said, sometimes I can't see the heat imprint properly. I don't want to go out to war. And he said, let me tell you a story. In 1948, War of Independence, when Israel was reborn, well, guess what? He said, my grandfather went out and he fought with only a shovel. 
he believed in the cause that we're all here in this defense force. We're here to defend the defenseless. We can't give up. And so sometimes you see the giants in the land. And there were giants in the time of Joshua. There are giants now. Some of those giants could even be within you. But if you know how to say, I am going to look beyond that, I'm going to look towards the mission and tenacity to that mission. Again, one of our core competencies, our core values, the tenacity to the mission. It doesn't matter. It's it, one of our slangs or our, our mottos is, this is what we have, and with this we shall succeed. Well, Sarge, the Israeli Defense Forces under Moses initially, uh, they didn't have that disposition. It didn't work very well for them as a result, did it? No, and I know the spies, when they came back, as you mentioned, they brought a bad report, and that delayed their success. Have you seen bad reports in the Israeli Defense Forces, and have you seen people blow out because they just weren't made of the right stuff? They didn't have confidence. It's true. Some people say, this journey is just too hard for me. I know one guy, they said, okay, he had to drop and give 100 push-ups. You know, and at one point, he just says, I'm not doing this. You know, and, and in our elite unit, all you have to do is sign, I quit. You write, I quit. That's all. And you hand it in, and you can then go to the regular battalions, the regular uh, company. And so I, they would always come to me and say, hey, you look tired. Would you like to just write those two words? And I would say, absolutely not. Take that hamburger and french fries away from me. I will eat nasty army food. <laughs> You're looking for that eye of the tiger, that vision That's of right. faith, correct? That's correct. Thanks, Sarge. For he and he alone will come to rule his own a That was a song from our founder, Zola Levitt. We love bringing you his music, and we will continue to do that. Um, what, what are you doing over here? What, did you, were you eating while we were singing? 
Listen, <laughs> you know, bounty. I can resist, but who can resist to tell you the truth? You yes, know, it's you right did. in front of me. Good stuff. Here, you do it too. I know we're supposed right, to be you. earning a living right now, but uh, <laughs> that's good. And you know, when I look at the fruit, it reminds me we're beckoned to bear fruit. And it's a play on words. The spies bore that fruit and they brought it into the land. But in a new covenant context, we bear fruit, in a sense, grapes too, to go with the Joannine analogy in the 15th chapter. There's a kind of fruit that's supposed to come out of us. And I know that as worship leaders, you spent your life trying to elicit that, yes? We do, and honestly, we try <laughs> to- Pardon me, well, no, you, know, you talk for a while. Focus on Joshua and Caleb they brought in this good report. We can do this. And unfortunately, we deal with, I love you all. I love you all. Uh, we hear so much of the, the 10 spies who said, it's too hard, can't do it. Let's just stay here. And they um, focus on the negative report versus the positivity of, look at what's, what's ahead for us. And I think we Keep see that. <laughs> we see that happening even in churches we worship that I don't know if people get what they can receive oh, that's good. through the good gift of what Joshua has taught us. I think God has a wonderful life for us. And uh, it's tragic that a lot of people, uh, lives are withering on the vine. And uh, I and you and we, uh, we're looking at this bounty. And I want to ask you the question, could it be that God has something more for you? By the way, it's a rhetorical question, not just because you can't answer it because you're in your living room or wherever. It's a rhetorical question because I know the answer before I ask it and I intend to give it. And the answer is yes. Scripture says in him, all things are yes. And I believe that God wants to move us along and make us better than when we started. But in as much as the children of Israel weren't the children of Israel. They were in the children of Israel by name only. They had to go into Canaan and call it Israel. They had to claim it. They had to reach beyond their doubts and fears and do it. They had to exercise themselves. Similarly, I think there are ways that believers need to exercise themselves to bear fruit and so prove to be disciples. That includes embracing the disciplines that come along with being a disciple, one of which is giving. At the risk of sounding like I'm trying to exploit a religious point to, to serve an interest, let me ask you, please, if you find value in our Jewish roots and you remember our founder, Zola Levitt, and you appreciate our future with me and the hearts, please consider, please help us in the doing. Exercise that fruit, that sacrificial giving. God can bless you a thousandfold, and you can bear fruit in ways you can't anticipate as you sit there right now. That's good. Walk right. into the new land. Right. And we will believe the report of the Lord. We believe it. So it's there Amen. for the taking. Amen. It's there for the taking. Amen. Thank you for being here for the hearing. Time's up. Let's do this again. As you go now, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, 
and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store. There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. This has been a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministries.